All right. Uh, good evening, everyone. It's wonderful to be back with you for our last week of lockdown learning. It's last week for now. Um, perhaps we will start again from Israel. So um, the topic for tonight in the philosophy series is one which is, on the one hand, seemingly quite a, a straightforward question, but you will shortly see that it is not straightforward at all. And that is, what do we mean when we say the Torah? Now, why do I say it's straightforward? So straightforward because everyone knows the Torah, and if you Google it, you'll find the definitions. So the Torah is the five scrolls of the Pentateuch or the five books of Moses or however you want to understand the first five books of the Old Testament, which no question in Jewish law as well as Jewish traditions has a, a completely different status to all the other books of the Tanakh and all other Jewish books. So the book of Joshua, the book of uh, Yemiyahu, Shoftim, Shmuel, whatever the case may be, don't, don't have the status of the first five books of the Torah. Now, just parenthetically, it's not entirely clear that all five books of the Torah have the same status as one another. For example, uh, in the first uh, four book, well, the first book, uh, Bereshit, happens pre-Matan Torah. So the question is, is that of a different status? Um, Tvarim is almost uh, completely written from the perspective of Moshe. The idea of Yedabah Hashem and Moshe Lemor almost never comes up in uh, Sefer Tvarim. So the question is, is, is it, does it have the same status? So that's a little beyond our conversation this evening. But where I want to sort of get to is uh, when people say, well, you should do that, it says so in the Torah, or we're going to learn Torah now. So that term is a, a little bit more ubiquitous and not entirely clear what people mean. So if I say, okay, I'm going to learn Torah, and then the person goes to a shir on Hilchot Shabbat. So, okay, that's Torah, but it's very possible that the entire shir, at no point do they mention uh, any verses from the Torah. So at least not the not not from say for Shemot or whatever the case may be. So when they say we're going to learn the Torah, we're going to learn Torah. It's often not the five books of the of the Torah that we speak about, and it so it becomes a little bit murky exactly what the Torah is. Um, when I'm studying, let's just say I'm going to study uh, the book of Judges. So the book of Judges is from the Nevi'im, is from the prophets. Um, is that considered studying Torah? So it's not it's not Torah in the in in the narrow sense of the word. So, so what we're going to try to explore tonight and what we're going to unfortunately see is the more we study it, the, 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 more, uh, the more vague it's going to become is that this, I, this word Torah and the concept of Torah is not as clear as one we, want to, um, we would like to uh, initially think. Now, to, <coughs> to add a halachic, we call a halachic nafkamina, which is a practical ramification of what difference does it make. So, uh, whatever, what difference does it make? And I'll tell you the difference. One difference is you're not allowed to learn Torah in the bathroom. So if something's not Torah, so clearly you're allowed to read in the bathroom. So for example, you love reading uh, the late Rav Tversky's books. So those books uh, have lots of beautiful ideas in them. Some of them come from the from rabbinic teachings, come from the Talmud and others. If I have one that doesn't have Torah, like from the five books of Moses, can I go read in the toilet? Is that okay? Second, uh, Nafkamina, is what happens, you have to make a blessing every morning. It's the first blessings you make in the morning is a blessing on Lasok B'divrei Torah. Yes, so you Hashem who commanded us to involve ourselves in matters of Torah. So we have to make the bracha before you can learn Torah. So if I wake up in the morning and I want to read the newspaper, I don't have to make the bracha because it's not learning Torah. But if I'm going to learn Torah, I have to make a bracha. So I'm going to, again, I'm going to read the Rabbi Tversky book uh, and have, I've just woken in the morning. Do I need to make a bracha beforehand or do you not need to make a bracha? So those are quite halachic and technical differences. But I think if we err on the other side, is that all of a sudden everything becomes Torah. So Chanukh tell us stories. So they're beautiful stories. You know, but are, are, is it Torah? You read stories, the, the Rebbe, Rebbe stories. 
Is that Torah or is it not Torah? So these are practical ramifications. But also, the first question you said, well, what is the Torah? And then we can try to figure out what exactly is made, does the Torah made up of. All right. So let's go into our sheets for this evening. So, the, uh, first we talk about the Torah. Oh, sorry. Okay. So here's a, to- a, a Gemara, which everybody would be familiar with. At least at some point, people would be familiar with, uh, there, there's a three-part story. So the part that everyone's familiar with is when Hillel tells the non-Jew wants to convert, says, uh, standing one foot, he says, what uh, you dislike, don't do to others. The rest is commentary. Go and learn. So that's one of the stories. But the two other stories, and this is one that comes up. Tanu Rabbanan, Rabbas teach us. So there's a non-Jew, this Gentile came in front of Shammai and said to him, Kama Torah He says, how many Torahs do you have? Amalo Stein. So Shammai says, we have two Torahs. Torah Shebichtav, the Torah Shabbat Peh. The written Torah and the oral Torah. So the rest of the story goes and says, okay, so, you know, to convert me, they'll only accept the written one, not the oral one. And he doesn't like it. And he goes to Hillel and Hillel teaches him. Okay. But the point here is that there are two Torahs. The written Torah, which is possibly the scroll. You know, possibly what we read from every Shabbat. And the oral, Torah Shabbat Peh. Baal Peh means to do something by heart. So Torah Shabbat Peh, we usually translate as the oral Torah. But it means Baal Peh, to say it by heart. Now, what is the Torah Shabbat Peh? So this we will come to see, um, you know, a little bit, lay, a little bit uh, later in Sefer Shemot. So this is now in Sefer Shemot. When Moshe goes up Har Sinai, so towards, we just received the Ten Commandments in Parshat Yitro. And then uh, at the end of that whole story, it says, V'yome Hashem el Moshe, and Hashem said to Moshe, Alei alai hahara, come up to me on the mountain. This is Mount Sinai. Ve'yasham, and you should be there. V'etnalecha et aluchot ha'even, I will give you this tablets of, uh, of, of stone. V'hatorah, and the Torah. V'hamitzvah. And the mitzvah and the commandments, Ashekatafti Lorotam, that I've written in order for you to teach. So there were three things getting when Moshe goes up Harsina, he gets three things. He gets the tablets. So these are the two other tablets that Moshe brought. Fine. Um, the Torah. Don't know what that is. And the mitzvah and the commandments. So firstly, mitzvah and Torah seemingly are mutually exclusive. It's not that when I say what's the Torah, I say the Torah is the whole five books of the Torah. Say so, what's in the Torah? So oh, there's mitzvahs, there's stories, there's whatnot. But apparently, according to this verse, you know, is that there's the Torah and there's the mitzvah, and the two things are completely uh, mutually exclusive of one another. They're separate ideas. So Rashi says as follows: So all six hundred and thirteen commandments are implicitly contained in the Ten Commandments, and therefore may be regarded as being written on the tablets. Rabbi Sadia specified the, in the Azarot, which composed uh, those commandments, which may be associated with each of the Ten Commandments. So Rabbi Sadia God was a very early commentator, um, a few hundred years before Rashi. And he says that each of the Ten Commandments actually has all 600. So the, the, what is, what's unique about the Ten Commandments? It says on the, the Ten Commandments are actually ten prototypes, of which ten uh, headers, of which all 613 commandments will fall under one of those ten headers. So when he says, I'm giving you the Torah, the mitzvah, it doesn't really explain the difference between Torah and mitzvah, but what he's saying is that seemingly the haluchot, what are the tablets of heaven, 
have the Torah and the mitzvah in them. That it's all in the one thing. You're going to get the tablets. So where did Moshe come down high Sinai with? Seemingly the tablets. Everything, the Torah and mitzvah were in the tablets. They were something we could learn out from the tablets. But as far as a concrete, what, did Moshe, what was Moshe given? Sorry, if I recall, it was a long time ago when I saw it. The, um, what's it called? The... Uh, the Ten Commandments of Charlton Heston. So when Charlton Heston did it, he came, if I'm not mistaken, he had like a little bag of, of little scrolls in it. <coughs> so no, that's not according to Rashi. According to Rashi, he just came down with Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments because all 613 mitzvahs are in the Ten Commandments. The Sforno, which is another commentary, is a contemporary of Rashi, says, It says, there are two elements of Torah. There's the the theolo- theoretical, theological, philosophical element of it, what we're supposed to think, how we're supposed to feel. And then there's the mitzvah, and the mitzvah is what we're supposed to do. So both of those we got on Har Sinai, what we're supposed to think, what we're supposed to do. Okay, other commentaries want to suggest that the Torah and the mitzvah, one is referring to the written Torah, one is referring to the oral Torah. So for those who are not familiar with the difference between the written and the oral Torah, the best analogy that I can think of it's the difference between an, uh, a dictionary and an encyclopedia. So if you want a general understanding of what things are, so you get a dictionary. A dictionary, so if you look at what is a, a bottle, uh, an elephant, an elephant. An elephant is a giant uh, land mammal with a trunk and it's gray, lives in Africa and India. Okay, that's it. Now you get a general gist of what, the, what, the, what an elephant is. But you're not quite sure what it looks like. You don't know where exactly it lives. You don't know much more about its proportions, its habitats, what it eats, etc., etc. To that, you go to an encyclopedia. An encyclopedia will give you as much information as you can get. So similarly, the Torah Shebikhtav, the written tradition, what we would call the five books of the Torah, so that is the dictionary. It gives you title headings. So there's this thing called Shabbat. And on Shabbat, you can't do malachah. You can't do activities. What exactly are those malachot? Where where do they come from? How do we you know, derive them? That's the oral tradition. That's the encyclopedia. The oral tradition is the encyclopedia of Judaism. It says there's a lulav. You have to shake something on the Sukkot. But it's very obscure about exactly what those things are. So you go to the oral tradition. It's filling you. You've got to wear them as a sign between your, on your arm. As front, it's between your eyes. Don't know what they look like, what they contain, what they're supposed to be made of. That's where you go to the oral tradition. Okay, and uh, we'll have a share at some point down the line on what the oral tradition is and how do we know that the oral tradition hasn't been uh, corrupted over the course of uh, millennia. But that being said, is that this idea that there is the Torah that somehow can be subdivided is something we already see here at the beginning of the Torah's giving. All right, now what I'd like to take you through now is that even the Torah, now I'm referring to those five books of Moses, even the Torah itself is not entirely clear what the Torah is. Because there are going to be multiple times throughout the Torah that the Torah will reference the Torah, but those references will not be the same thing. Uh, that might sound a bit... So the Torah is going to... We're going to see now. The Torah is going to make reference to the Torah. Which is quite funny how a book is referencing itself if the book is still being written. And that's where the question is going to happen. So, for example, it says as follows. This is Dvarim. This was last week's Parsha. Zot This is the Torah that Moshe placed in front of Bnei Yisrael. 
These are the decrees, laws, and Moses addressed the people of Israel when he left Egypt. Zot Torah. This is the Torah. Now, again, this is in Devarim. This is the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 4. We've still got 20 plus, close to 30 chapters to go. But this is it. Meaning, whatever this is referring to in Devarim 4 is not what we call the scroll in, in the Shul. Carry on. So this is a command. This is coming in Pasha to Kitavo. So it's right towards, just before Rosh Hashanah. It says as follows. So when you get to the land and you're going to cross over the Jordan. Uh, so the, what you're going to do is you're going to take these, uh, these uh, iron pillars, columns, not iron, rock. You're going to put pillars of rock up of, and, and, and you're going to plaster them in the plaster. And you're going to write on them the entire words of this Torah. Anyway, so this is an interesting thing if you haven't seen it before. And we see this happen at the beginning of Sefer Yeshua, Book of Joshua, where Joshua does this, where they put these, these giant pillars where they write almost like Rosetta Stone type idea, but uh, it was written. So, and you should write the, the, this Torah on it. So, what did they write on it? Did they write from Bereshit, from in the beginning, Hashem created the heavens and the earth until Lanaiko Israel, that all the miracles that Moshe did in the eyes of the Israel? They're literally all five books, or were they segments? Either way or another, it says to write this Torah. So, what is this Torah is referring to? This Torah is, is, is this verse to be written. On the, on the on on the pillars because this verse is part of our Torah, but is it part of the Torah that's been referred to in this verse? That is very unclear. Carrying on, so this is going to be uh, in Pasha Shoftim in a couple of weeks' time. So it's talking about having a king. Som tasim melech. You should surely appoint for yourself a king. And when you appoint a king and he's sitting on his throne, the Torah hazot. And you should write a Mishnah Torah Hazot. So this is where the idea that, uh, he, that the king would have to write a second Sefer Torah. Everyone has a mitzvah to write a Sefer Torah. The king has a mitzvah to write a Mishnah Torah. Now what is Mishnah Torah? So the word Mishnah can mean uh, to repeat. So Mishnah Mishnah uh, Lechem, Lechem Mishnah that we have every Shabbos is to have two chalas. So it can be a double. Or it can be to learn or to repeat. So what we have Mishnah, that we learn Mishnah, that is to learn, it means to learn. So Mishnah Torah is the way that the rabbis refer to the book of Deuteronomy. Because Deuteronomy is pretty much a repeat of things that have already been mentioned in the book of Leviticus and Bamidba and in Shemot. So it's called Mishnah Torah, a repetition of the Torah. So the question is, what does the king have to write? Does the king have to write an entire Sefer Torah from Bereshit all the way to the end of the Torah? Or segments of it? Maybe just the book of Deuteronomy. Does he have to write this verse? Because again, it says you should write this Mishnah Torah. So the, the word this means like you can point to it. But this is the Torah that we have is still a work in progress. So it's very hard to say that it's referring to what we call a Torah. So that's another example. I'm just going to furnish a whole bunch of examples to show the complexity of this question. Uh, 
Okay, again, at the, now we closer towards the end of the Torah. This is Pasha Nitzavim. And Moshe wrote the Torah and he gave it to the Kohanim. So he gave this Torah to the Levim. Okay, this is happening before the end of the Torah. So, is he written it? And he's given, and, and now it's saying it's written it uh, predictively, meaning that Moshe's written it, but it hasn't yet happened. So when they read it, it's now in past tense. Or is the thing that Moshe wrote and gave to Levim is something which is different to, it's not the entire five books of the Torah. Further, it says, um, at the end of seven years, at the end of Shemitah, the year of Shemitah, so that is uh, this year, this year is the uh, sabbatical year. So the entire, when they, everyone comes and all the Jews come to uh, Yerushalayim, which would be for specifically for uh, Sukkot, Tikra, you should read the entire this Torah to them in all their ears. So this is the mitzvah of Hakel. Hakel is a mitzvah that happens once every seven years that everyone would go to Jerusalem and the king or the nasi, they do it now usually with the president of Israel who would read something. But now it's more symbolic than, uh, than uh, actually fulfilling the mitzvah. But they would read the Torah. Now, what is it? you should read the Torah. So again, are we reading the entire Torah? So they don't read the entire Torah. They read segments of the Torah. So what we've seen so far is that the Torah is clearly referring to something of significance, but not necessarily what we would call the Torah. Now, just to show that the word Torah comes out multiple places in the Torah. The word Torah is, is the same as the word more, from teacher, to teach, hora'ah, or teachings. So the, what, we, what we really call the Torah, its full name is Torah Chaim, which literally means instructions for living. But, uh, and we see that these instructions at different times are actually going to mean very, very different things. So when we talk about Torah, what you need to be more specific is, what are you referring to? It said, do you learn Torah? Well, how do you define Torah? Torah can be a lot of things. Torah could be the whole book of Devarim. Torah could be potentially uh, the whole book from Bereshit until Devarim. Torah could be the entire Torah Shabbat and Torah Shabbat Peh. It could be ideas that other rabbis have come, come up with, halachas, you know, that, uh, you know, is a learning Torah to figure out um, modernity. Can you switch on a light bulb on Shabbos? So there, you, you know, it's, it's, we would say it's Torah. But it's, it's, it's far removed from the strict definition of the word Torah. So other places where the word Torah comes up in is a very limited capacity. So for example, over here in Pasha Tazria, uh, sorry, in Pasha, I think it's Pasha Tzav. This is the law of the burnt offering. So the Zet Torah Ta'ola. So the word is, this is the law of the thing. So Torah. This is the law of the Tzarat. This is the law of the jealousies when a wife shows from a husband. Meaning that multiple times throughout the Torah, we see the word Torah coming in a very um, narrowed perspective. So we have the f fact that at times, so if we go from the beginning and we started, you're going to have the Torah refers to Kama Torot Yesh Lechem, when the non-Jew asks Shama, how many Torahs do you have? We have two Torahs. Torah Bechtav, Torah That's very, very broad. Then you have very narrow. Torah can refer to specific laws in a specific area of Halakha. Or can refer to something a little bit in between. So it refers to um, 
either maybe just the written Torah or just the oral Torah, or it can refer to a, you know the book of Devarim or, or segments of the book of Devarim. All right. So I, I, I hope I haven't completely confused everybody. I have a feeling I might have, but we will try continue nonetheless. Okay. So next next topic we're going to deal with is exactly when we do we get the Torah. So this is something which, um, if you ask any Jew, so when do we get the Torah? So we got the Torah on Shavuot, Mamar Haisina. Okay, what did we get on Haisina? What did we get on on, uh, on Shavuot? So people say we got the Torah. So again, what did we get? Did we get the scroll? Because that's a problem. Because Matan Torah, the giving of the Torah, happens. So there are five books in the Torah. So there's Breshit, Shmot, Vayikra, Bamidbar, Dvari. So when do we get the Torah? At the, in the middle of Shemot, the middle of Exodus, which means three and a half of the books of the Torah have not yet happened. So when Moshe gets the Torah, what exactly does he get? What do, what do the Jews get at Haisina? So there's two different opinions exactly about the Torah that we have, what we will now call a Torah scroll, exactly when it was given. And what everybody agrees in is that didn't, was not given on Haisina. So even though we might have received the Torah on Haisinai, we did not receive the Torah as the Torah scroll that we call a Torah. That we definitely didn't get on Haisinai. So here's the Gemara and Gitin. It says, Volas. The Torah was given in installments. And he quotes a verse to um to Brachima. Says uh Rabbi Shimon bin Lakish Omer Torah Khatuma Nitna. Says no, the Torah was given in its entirety at the end of forty years. So two opinions: Rabbi Yochanan and Rabbi Lakish, which are two people who consistently fought throughout the Gemara. They were good friends, good chavrutas, and so Rabbi Yochanan comes and says that we give the Torah was given in installments. Whereas Rabbi Lakish says at the end of forty years, just before Moshe died, he started writing from Breshit all the way to the end of the Torah. Meaning, had you been alive um, at Har Sinai. Everybody agrees you would not get the book of Bamidbar, you wouldn't get the book of Dvarim. Doesn't make sense. Those things haven't happened yet. Why would you get those books? So question is, so what what was given on Harsina? So here's a, 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 a difference. So Rashi says, and this is going according to the opinion of Rabbi Yochanan, and the Torah is given in installments. So it says, when the unit was given over to Moshe, he write it down at the end of 40 years, when all the sections were complete, he sewed them together to news. It was all done piecemeal. So he'd write a little bit. So let's say at Harsinai, he'd wrote up and, you know, books of Bereshit and up to Shemot. And then after two years, he'd write the end of Shemot. And then after another two years, he'd write uh, Vayikra. And he would do it all installments in little individual scrolls. At the end of the 40 years, he tied the whole thing together to have what we call a Torah scroll. The Ramban says different. It says, when he descended from the mountain, he wrote from the beginning of the Torah till the end of the matter of the Mishka. And the rest of the Torah wrote to the end of the 40th year. So he says, Ramban says installments doesn't mean as you go, written as you go, but rather there were two segments. There was one given at Har Sinai, which went pretty much until the end of uh, Shemot, and then another one which was at the end of 40 years, which was the balance, the last three books of the Torah. But one way or another is everyone agrees on Har Sinai. We didn't get the Torah. Okay? We, got, we got the Torah, but we didn't get what we call the Torah. So that, that confused. So what, what did we get at Har Sinai? So we got the Torah mitzvah. So we got the oral tradition. We got the luchot. So if we go back to the earlier opinions, right at the beginning, it says, what did we get? We got, 
we got the luchot, ha'even, v'atorah v'amitzvah. So we got the luchot, we got the, the tablets. So this works very well with Rashi. All we got was the tablets. What are the tablets? This is the, t- the, the tablets and the Torah and the mitzvah, which are included within the tablets. So there was an oral tradition. So Moshe Rabbeinu, when he came down, there was uh, an oral tradition. All the ideas and all the mitzvahs were going to be implemented, but the written text that we used didn't exist. So it was a very oral seeming. You had the Ten Commandments and everything else is very oral. Um, yeah, so it's very, it's very difficult. Okay. So, now, if, if that did not seem difficult enough to make things a little bit more complex, is that there are opinions within the rabbis. This is from the you know, pre-Mishnaic times we're talking here in Midrashim, that in fact, the Torah predates, predates creation. So, Bereshit 1.1, so this is literally the first verse in the Torah, says, in the beginning when Hashem created the heavens and earth. It says the Medrash, this is Medrash Rabbah, says as follows, So, geez, this is a pregnant verse, what it means. For the Torah, the world was created. Okay, so for the Torah, the world was created. Seemingly that, you know, if you, if you look at the Torah, for what, let's say, what, what, what the Christian world would call the Old Testament, and the purpose of the creation of the Torah was for the Old, was the Old Testament, so it doesn't make sense that Hashem wanted the Old, the Old Testament was so important. It doesn't make sense. That's not what the Torah, the Torah is not the Old Testament. It's not even the, the Chumash. The, 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 the next bracha is, uh, this is further along, it says, uh, even stronger, so it says, Amar Oman Uman. So it quotes a verse from Mishlei and it understands that the word Uman is artisan. The Torah said, and it gives this anthropomorphism that the Torah is almost like a living being. So the Torah said, I am the artistic creation of Hashem. I'm the art- has an artisan's tool of Hashem. So it says, I'll give you an analogy. A king wants to build a palace. So the king can't build the palace, so he brings in artisans, he brings in an architect. Rather, even he has to go to the plans, uh, to the building plans, in order to build. He can't just build. Uh, in order to know how the dimensions and this is the same with Hashem now this is, this is incredibly profound Hashem looked into the Torah and created the world and the Torah said okay this is like a phenomenal idea that this is this is that the Torah predates creation. Now, ignoring the anthropomorphic ideas of Torah, whatever it means that the Torah said, but what is clear from the Medrash is that whatever the Torah is, it's definitely not physical. You cannot point to the Torah. You may be able to point to a Torah scroll. You might be able to point to lots of books that contain Torah in it. But the Torah itself, almost a bit like the neshama, or the soul of individual, is something that I can see a person and I know there's a neshama there, but I can't quite, I can't, I can't touch the neshama per se. 
I can appreciate it. I can know what it does. I can know how it, it is affected. But I cannot, I cannot quantify it in the same way. I, and, I can, and I struggle to qualify it as well. But what it has is a purpose. And that is where Torah is. Torah isn't a thing. When we talk about receiving the Torah, it's not about receiving a book. Or it's not even about receiving an idea. Or, or, or set of laws or set of stories. The Torah is something that is metaphysical in, in, in its, in, as a concept. But it manifests its will. So the same as the soul manifests itself through beings. And it manifests itself through people's personalities. And their drafts and the like. The Torah is something that is supposed to manifest through doing mitzvot. Through developing character. Through building a relationship through Hashem. With Hashem. But it is not quantified by saying it is any particular verse. Meaning, if I read a verse in the Torah, so I read, Okay, first verse of the Shema. You love Hashem. And it just goes in and out my head. I have read the words of Torah, but I have not learned or read the Torah with a capital T. This, the Torah is something that is been cre- the world has been created with the Torah for the purpose of the Torah. So what on earth does that mean? So let's try go a little bit. Don't have too many sources left. Uh, let me see. Okay, so I'm going to use one more source. I'm going to ignore this 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 uh, Shmot Rabbah and go to one more source and hopefully that will allow us to sort of wrap up the idea and make sense of this all. So this is based on um, a, a concept I spoke about in Shul a few months ago. Once upon a time, remember, we used to have Shul. So I spoke about this idea that throughout Bereshit, so again, Bereshit happens well before the giving of the Torah in Har Sinai. We see certain gaps in, uh, in chronology where things sort of just are missing. So the way the rabbis sort of fill in the gaps is quite consistent throughout the book of Bereshit. And here's one example. So this is, this is from the Torah reading on first day Rosh Hashanah, uh, second day Rosh Hashanah, where Abraham sacrifices Isaac, or nearly sacrifices Isaac. And it says, V'yoshev Avram Anarav. And afterwards, and Abraham returned to the people that were waiting. His nuns, his youths that were waiting for him. And it's used in the singular. Yitzchak's not there. It says V'yoshev. It should say V'yashvu. V'yashvu. They returned. So it says, Yitzchak Heichanaya. Who? Heichanu. So where, where did Yitzhak go? Rabbi Barachia B'Shem, Rabbi Datman, Shachu Etze Lilmod Mimenu Torah. So he says, sent him to shame to go learn Torah. So this is a rabbinic concept. And uh, if you want, we can give a share on it again. I gave a drosh on this while back. Is that Noah's son, shame. Noah had three sons. The shame, Cham and Yafet. So shame had tents of learning. And him and his great-grandson, Aver, had, had a, what was known as the Yeshiva Shem Be'ever. And we see that Yitzchak goes there. We see that Yaakov goes there. It's, it's, a, it's a known place for learning Torah. So um, over here it says where, when uh, Avram returned after the Akedah and went back, Yitzchak didn't. Yitzchak went to go learn Yeshiva, in the Yeshiva of Shem Be'ever. Where did he go? Went to go learn Torah. What on earth is Yitzchak learning there? We are now a few hundred years, 400 years, if not more, before the giving of the Torah at Harasinai. But Yitzhak's learning Torah. We see it throughout uh, the Sefer Bereshit that the Avot learned Torah, fulfilled the Torah. So what on earth is Torah that they were fulfilling? It can't be the Chumash. It can't be. So 
I would like to suggest the following. The, 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 there's a very simplistic word called Torah, which encompasses anything that is sort of Jewishly in, involved. It has nice ideas and, and it's, uh, it's things that de- help develop, you know, person develops. And they, they're good ideas and they all over and they print about Otsko and Feldheim and Tarugum and Magid and whatever the case might be, great ideas. But in essence, Torah is a system that Hashem put in place in order for humans to build a relationship with Hashem. And building a relationship with Hashem means being able to inculcate a series of values, mitzvot, that drive those values in order to build that relationship with Hashem by one, mitzvot ben adam lamakom, directly doing mitzvot and ideas that help me to connect to Hashem directly, and others mitzvot ben mitzvot adam lachavaro, to fulfill mitzvot between man and his fellow. Now, understand that we often think that being a good person is a very big mitzvah. And say, so why is it a big mitzvah? So most people would say, because there's a mitzvah to be a mensch. And that is partially true. There is a mitzvah to be a good person, but it's not just so that other people will like you. The whole chap is that when we see a fellow person, we understand that they are tzelem elokim, that they too, no matter how disheveled or, or disgusting or um, outrageous they are to our sensibilities, they have a spark of Hashem within them. And treating them with respect and treating them in a mentionative manner is me recognizing that I'm speaking to godliness. That is the whole mitzvah ben adam lachavero. So between however I'm engaging in the world, when I'm dealing with myself, in my own nagiyas, my own inclinations, my own challenges, when I'm dealing with my relation directly with Hashem through various mitzvot, through davening, when I'm dealing with my fellow man who is God embodied because they have a spark of Hashem, Torah allows me to utilize all those relationships in making myself a holier person. That is what Torah is. It is the whole purpose of creation. Hashem create, looked into the Torah to create the world because the purpose of the world was for there to be Kedusha, for there to be holiness. And therefore the Torah is to facilitate that process. What is Kedusha? Kedusha is bringing our relationship with Hashem. It's not about sitting on a, on a mountain and meditating. It's about using all our faculties and all our relationships in order to enhance that relationship with Hashem. That is the definition of Torah. So there are lots of different ways to do that. And so the, the broader you define it, the more one uses things. So, we, so we've got lots of books. I'm looking at my shelves here. So I've got books where my secular books. So books in psychology. So is that learning Torah? So in a very narrow sense, no, it's not learning Torah. But can it be Torah? Well, if it's elevated and allows you to appreciate Hashem, you're learning a science textbook and it allows you to appreciate Hashem in a way that you didn't before, to build a relationship with creation and, and being a created, being a, a creation and acknowledging your creator. So it might not technically be under them, but it is part of the whole system of Torah. So that's, that is a Torah, I would like to say, with a capital T. And so as you see, the, the Torah itself is quite obscure. Because the, the Torah doesn't ever talk about what we call a safer Torah. It talks about Torah. And this is the Torah of this law. And these, we have to read the Torah. Because every time the Torah is mentioned as the Torah, that we've got to do something with the Torah, what it means that for that particular time, in that particular place, 
this is how through reading these verses or through doing these things, that is how one facilitates that relationship. All right, everybody. Thank you very much. Um, you can, if anyone would like to ask any questions, um, you have. You, no one's unmute, so everyone's more than welcome to just unmute. Yes, please, Dave. So there's no question that by the end of the Torah, Moshe gives the, what we will call a Torah scroll, to B'nai Israel. He writes 13, uh, 12 scrolls for each of the each of the tribes, and one goes into the into the Aaron. So that is true. So by the end, so Bezot Torah it means that by the end, this these were the fifth, you know, these were the these were the five books that were given to uh, Moshe. So by the end of it, uh, to your earlier comment about you know is what we make it. So I think where the challenge comes is, you know, I, you know, by me reading, uh, I, I don't need to go to Yeshiva, I'll go sit on a mountain and contemplate nature, and that's Torah. So I think one has to be very careful, because albeit that it's very hard to define what Torah is, it's very easy to define what it isn't. And that is that the idea is like, you know, like birthday presents. So birthday presents, you need to buy what the person wants, not what you want the person to want. So you've got to be very careful when learning Torah is that ultimately I'm trying to build a relationship with Hashem. I need to know what Hashem wants, not what I want Hashem to want. At the end of the day, man was created in the image of God, not God is created in the image of man. And so, on the, yeah, there's certain limits that, uh, there are certain elements where broader study and general study um, can, you know, in some ways facilitate some of the same things that Torah does. But in other ways, it's the idea that there's something uh, that is enhancing the relationship, and to have the um, to have the ability to discern between what is something that is facilitating that relationship and what is something that is detracting it. So, a good example, like what about drugs? So, some people would say that drugs, hallucinogenic drugs, you know, are fantastic to facilitate a relationship with a ship. So that, you know, it's definitely might be good to facilitate a spiritual experience or a quasi-spiritual experience. But we would say that whatever you're experiencing, it's not spirituality. Spirituality has certain laws, regulations, and that we know from, uh, you know, from the, from, you know, halacha. So halacha circumvents what is considered permissible and prohibited. So throughout the Torah, it says, you know, there's certain things we can't learn. 
The Torah is not uh, open to everything. It says, don't learn a Vodazora. Don't learn, you know, a lot of people had problems with the Rambam. The Rambam was so well-versed in Aristotle. It says, don't learn those sort of things. Because, not because they don't have wisdom, is that the wisdom will take you away from Hashem rather than bringing you closer. So you need to have a sort of grounding in traditional text. But I do believe that there's uh, definitely scope to be able to foster and develop a relationship with Hashem, even with things that are not necessarily published by Artscroft. Any other questions? Okay. Going, going, gone. All right, everybody. Thank you very much. Uh, tomorrow night, we are carrying on in the Sidur. We'll be carrying on with Amida. Hope to see you all there. I wish you all a Laila Tov. Thanks, Rabbi. Thanks, Rob. Thank you.